Good evening, everyone. This week, we move into the mid-1800s, and we'll address some of the problems that arise due to new industrial technologies. Before we can talk about how those problems get solved, though, I guess I need to explain some of those issues and where they came from. Let's start in England, because it was the first country to industrialize heavily. I'm going to simplify my explanation a bit, since I don't want to bore you with the intricacies of English laws, but basically before this time period, England spent a lot of money providing for the poor. There were also a lot of regulations that made it difficult for the poor to move and find new work. However, as factories began to spring up in the cities and needed vast amounts of workers, reforms were enacted that were aimed at allowing poor workers to move and take those jobs, and hopefully also become less poor. The problem, though, with having tons and tons and tons of people move into urban areas in the span of just a few years is that people need things. Housing, food, water, services are all vital to maintaining public health. But when you shove, say, a million people into London in, say, four decades, which is exactly what happened, there's just not enough construction and infrastructure improvement to make up for all the new people. Death rates in cities accordingly began to rise too. Between 1831 and 1844, Birmingham's death rate rose from 14.6 to 27.2 deaths per thousand people. Bristol's went from 16.9 to 31, almost doubling. Similar trends happened all over England. Like I mentioned, housing was a huge factor in this. Tons of new people meant lots of new demand for housing, but there was essentially no city planning done on this front, and very little regulations on new housing. Workers and their families moved into an area, so builders began building new houses near factories as much as possible, but with no concern for the quality of said housing. Regardless, such builders made a lot of money doing so. Workers had little choice but to live near sources of employment like factories, or else they wouldn't get work at all. Keep in mind that public transportation as we know it today does not yet exist, so it's not like living somewhere less crowded and commuting was a real option. Sanitation was also terrible in these crowded slums. Again, no regulations, so bathrooms were not a requirement in each dwelling. Why build bathrooms if nobody can live in them and pay you for the space? As a result, many folks simply did not have any access to plumbing. In one district of Manchester, there were two outhouses for 250 people on average. Most houses just had a tub that had to be emptied manually, and communal dung piles in the streets were not uncommon. Let me drop some more statistics on you so you can understand a little bit better how terribly crowded conditions were. In the city of Manchester, at one point, there were 1,500 cellars where three people slept in one bed. In Bristol, about 1,400 families lived in one room each. These aren't the exceptions either. The majority of people in these cities lived in incredibly crowded conditions, with usually around 60% of the urban population being affected. Hundreds of thousands of people were living in cramped, filthy places. If all this wasn't bad enough, there's one more major downside to this excessively dense population, especially in combination with such poor hygiene. It allows disease to spread extremely easily. Manchester, one of the first English cities to industrialize, saw numerous large outbreaks of disease. Smallpox, despite a vaccine existing at this point, still killed many, 
as the vaccine was not widespread and the terrible conditions made spreading of the disease very easy. Typhoid, typhus, cholera, and tuberculosis regularly ravaged cities during this time period. It's estimated that tuberculosis killed a third of all of the people who died in England between 1800 and 1850. Because of these many, many health problems, there began to be political pressure to improve conditions. A number of ineffectual regulations were put in place in the early 1800s, but they were bolstered in the 1830s by two severe cholera epidemics, first in 1831 and then the next year in 1832, which were clearly more seriously affecting poor districts, but then also spreading from there. As it turns out, having anyone in your city living in terrible, disease-ridden conditions might be bad for the community as a whole. Finally, in 1834, the Poor Law Commission was created, with the aim of reducing poverty. One of the primary drivers of change inside the organization was a man named Edwin Chadwick, a man with a particular interest in the health of the poor and an understanding that health problems are linked with poverty. Chadwick pushed for the collection of health statistics and worked with several doctors to illustrate the many problems affecting the poor. Prior to this point, they didn't even know how bad the problem was, much less how to solve it. In 1838, a report was created that argued for preventative measures against disease and illustrated the problems at hand. It was trying to argue that working class problems were worth tackling, because unfortunately that required arguing, and it especially focused on fevers, which included the diseases we now call typhoid and typhus. Doctors noticed that these diseases had become much more prevalent in the 1800s, and also that they affected the working population much more severely. However, the illnesses affected the entire community, in particular creating an economic loss. For example, over about seven years, around 13,000 people had been at the Glasgow Fever Hospital. Those people could not work, and so lost collectively about £30,000 in wages or around 2 million modern British pounds. Each patient cost about a pound to take care of, and if patients died, there were then funeral costs. Their families were often left to fend for themselves, and became more likely to fall into poverty as well. All this indicated that it was important to address these problems, not only because it's the right thing to do and such conditions are appalling, but also because there's economic benefits. It's a little sad that that's what it took, but sometimes it's just how life works. To investigate these problems, a series of surveys were started. Initially, they were just limited to London, but by 1839, the Poor Law Commission was investigating working populations' health throughout all of England and Wales. Over the next three years, a vast amount of information was collected, eventually yielding a report put together in 1842. This report was Chadwick's masterpiece, which was filled with vivid details of the awful conditions and their relationship to local mortality and wealth. It proved clearly that diseases were related to unsanitary environmental conditions, especially because of a lack of drainage, clean water supply, and any good way to remove garbage and waste from houses and the streets. Many of these health problems were then framed as engineering problems, with the primary solution being improved sanitation infrastructure. This report also puts forward actionable plans for sanitary reform, and was to serve as the basis for much public health improvement over the next 50 years. We'll stop there for this week, and next week we'll talk about those plans and the effects that they will have.
As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, or reach out to me with the links in the show notes. Thanks also to Jojo Tang for editing, Angie Lee for our cover art, and Muse Open for this music. Thank you.